Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog, the podcast that thinks that eugenics isn't as good as the Vaselines, who are a vastly superior Eugene Kelly uh, product. That's a very obscure indie reference there. I'm not in any way supporting actual eugenics. I thought they were called Eugenius. They were called Eugenius. But that's good, because we can explain the joke now. (laughs) All right, that's right. Because it's funnier when you have to explain it. It is, obviously. Um. I thought of that. That's, that's actually, I've stolen that joke off my mate James, but he doesn't listen to this podcast, so that's fine. And he's got a protected Twitter account, so he can't he can't, he can't legally come after me, I don't think. Um, anyway. Unlike, unlike Barbara Streisand. Yes, who has come after me. So, yes, um, the big news this week um, is the latest beef in Scottish rugby is that Barbara Streisand has sent me an angry worded email to tell me that uh, I used her uh, her music over a video of James Haskell running into a post. It was her singing Memories. When, I think it was when he retired, I sent it to Lee at Blood and Mud um, and said, we'll always have this, um, which was James Haskell running into face first into a post at the Rugby World Cup in 2015, I think, while uh, Barbara Streisand uh, hummed Memories or the way we were over the top of it. But yeah, I got an angry email from someone on her behalf, not her personally. That would have been more impressive, uh, yeah. saying that uh, I'd had a takedown notice. So I'm, I'm basically deleting my most of my Twitter just in case I've done something else like that because I... We all know what happened to Graham Love during the World Cup, where he's he lost his account altogether. Bless him. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. rip rip G Love's account. Um, anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, I'm still on Twitter at Cami Black, and we've got the main account at Scott Rugby Blog as well. Uh, we're on the email podcast at ScottishRugbyBlog.co.uk. Uh, I just worked out this week that I'd not been getting anybody's emails, um, but I've managed to, to track them down. So we've got a, a good few uh, to catch up on. We've got some very exciting Wes Doogie Donnellys this week. Um, we've got quite a few, and and the detail provided has been absolutely exquisite. So uh, we we've got that to look forward to. Um, we're on Facebook as well. Um, if you search for Scottish Rugby Blog and Instagram Scottish Rugby Podcast, when I remember to put anything on there. Um, we also have the blog ScottishRugbyBlog.co.uk where you can go along read match reports. Um, we've got something there from Scrummo, I think, on Scotland's tight heads, Rory. Loose heads. Loose heads. One or the other. They're both fat lads at the front of the scrum, aren't they? They're interchangeable. Just look at Ollie Kebble. Right, exactly. There we go. Um, and we've got... I When I looked at the comments on the podcast post, I think a couple of days ago, there were 19 comments, but there are now 99. So I'm guessing people are just slow to catch up. It's up to 100 now. Is it? Somebody made another most, comment. Most, most commented podcast post ever, I would say. I think so, yeah. I, that's, that's what happened. I think it's Al's fault for saying people should boo kickers. <laughs> um anyway i'm joined this evening by as you've i've not introduced you yet and you've been chuntering away we've got rory with us hello and we've also got ian hay hello there we are um there's been a fair bit of news swimming about the last couple of days um 
I think Johnny Grade got injured when we uh, we did the last podcast, but it's been so long ago I can't remember. But anyway, he's injured, and we've got Sam Skinner and Matt Ferguson have been added to the squad. Um, Alex is it Alex Craig has been gone back to Gloucester. Yeah, yeah, he's gone back to his club. Um, so that's the Scotland news. Um, we, there's, we, we'll, we're not going to talk about that story until later on. We've, we're minimising our coverage of it because not, not much has happened other than he's still not in the squad. Um, so that's as much as I'll say for the moment. Because Whoever I know do people. You mean? What sorry? Whoever do you mean? Uh, who well, he he who shall not be named because some people he got shall. upset. Some people got upset that we. We talked about that last week, um, so we will we'll save it till later in the podcast, so people can have a a, a fin free hourish of of a podcast before we get stuck into some hands in the rocks later on. Um, in other news, um, surprisingly, and this kind of came out of the blue today, Sam Hildago Klein has signed for Exeter Chiefs. That's a quite quite an impressive move. It is uh, from from his on his uh, on his part certainly. It, I mean, he he's kind of gone off. Scarlets didn't work out for him. He's kind of gone and been a bit of a journeyman. I think he was it Harlequins he played at for kind of a half a season loan, and then he's been at Leon. I think Rory is it. I mean, yeah, and he had a, he had a few weeks at Racing as a World Cup cover as well. He did, didn't he? Of course. Is I mean the I think the accusation has been leveled at him in the past that he plays very well when his contracts due to expire. Um, and he's not always delivered on the promises shown in the past. I mean, do you think this is a it's this is a sign that he's on the uproar, or do you think it's a sign that English Premiership clubs need to balance the books and are looking for some bargains? Um, probably a little from a little from column A, and a little from column B. I mean, I think in terms of the obviously in terms of the deal deal he's got a two year contract with. Uh, Exeter Chiefs is the best that he's you know he's had. That's prob- that's probably a better deal than um, than signing a two year deal at Edinburgh. I would say. Um, I mean, yeah, there's there's been the uh, there's been the sort of um, I don't know the the kind of uh, he he obviously didn't fit in with the uh, with the culture that that Cockerell was was trying to instill when he pitched up at Edinburgh and um, Hidalgo Klein was probably one of the early. Early-ish casualties from that. Um, I mean, if there's a another podcast called the the Rugby Dungeon done by one of the um, Egg Chaser guys, I think. JB, I think, where, isn't it? Yeah, where they have um, where they have interviews and uh, sort of long form interviews, and there's an interesting one with him. And I mean, he had he had issues with his agent, who was basically um, caught doing something naughty and had to no longer be an agent, but was trying to still be an agent or get his brother to be an agent on his behalf or something. So that's worth listening to if you want a little bit sort of um, detail as to what he's been up to and why he's been kind of doing the rounds. So I think, you know, there was a kind of general perception up here that maybe when contract negotiation time came up, he was, uh, he wasn't perhaps, you know, his ego was dictating what, what, you know, Cockrell was offering, but I think actually it probably wasn't necessarily much to do with him. It sounds more like um, his agent was at fault maybe for the, the way things ended at Edinburgh. Um, so yeah, I'd give give that a listen for a bit more detail. But uh, yeah, I think uh, two two years at Exeter. I mean, he may may not be the the kind of the first choice there. Um, although I mean, their first choice, Nick Nick White, I think is uh, he's going back to Australia. So you know, there's certainly there's an opportunity, a big opportunity there for him to to make make a name for himself. And 
could be a route back into international setup as well if he can sort of fulfil a bit of early promise. I mean, he's never really recovered from that uh, Challenge Cup semi-final where he got schooled a bit by Grieg. Um, and it'd be, but it'd be good to see him see him back on top. Yeah, twenty six, so still quite young by yeah. any standards. Yeah, good few years left in. Yeah, uh, the other news, uh, Ian, is Pete Horn has signed on for two more years at Glasgow. A standoff. As a standoff. <laughs> Solely as a standoff. Um, not well, you know, uh, very good club player. Um, probably international career has now been been ended. Um, there's just a lot of options at 12 ahead of him. Um, but yeah, enough, good enough player, like I said. You know, he's proven that uh, at centre, um, particularly only at centre. Uh, well, he was, he was, he has, he's always actually quite good when he's got George beside him um, at, uh, at nine if he's playing 10. But no, uh, yeah, fine player. It'll probably take him up to, might even be his last contract. He'll probably be 32 by the end of that. But um, no, I'm happy enough with that. Yeah. Um, that was that was the news. Um, there was actually some 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 rugby games at the weekend that we should we should talk about. Um, Ian, you caught the Glasgow game. Um, uh, we we were kind of worried. I think with the, the start of this, we kind of were a bit worried about what was going to happen to Glasgow during the Six Nations. Was was there enough there? Do you think to kind of dispel those fears that Glasgow might be all right during the Six Nations? Do you think? Um, well, one of the stats he came up with was that Tommy Seymour, it was the first time he'd played a match for Glasgow in the month of February for some like seven seasons. Um, so there's there's plenty of experience, especially sort of back three, um, back row, seeing as Ryan Wilson seems to have been outcast. Um, you know, you'll be losing Horn and Matt Fagerson to the squad. Um, but, you know, there is, there's a fair amount of strength there. Um, Zebra aren't the, the toughest of opponents. Um but a, a good match, well won, I'd say. Yeah. Um, did um, any anyone kind of particularly stand out of the the Scotland kind of contingent? Um, for the hopefuls, I would say Tom Gordon. He had um, he had a brilliant game, open side flanker. Uh, George Turner. Um, you know, the arrows obviously his darts aren't exactly brilliant, but either have McAnally's and uh, Fraser Brown's been over the Six Nations. Um, but in, in the list, he certainly offers. Um, no real dynamism. Uh, he, he actually chipped in with six offloads, which was one more than Nakarawa. Um, so, yeah, he, he had a cracking game. Um, it was still probably third choice because McAnally and Brown are very good. Um, Kyle Stain, another good performance from him. Um, he only came on as a replacement, but uh, set up the last try. Um, so, yeah, a few a few pretty good performances in there. And obviously, uh, Hornitho. Um you know, one thing that we're missing, uh, Scotland haven't scored a try in the Six Nations yet. And there he goes with his seventh try in six matches mm. in the Pro 14 this year. Um, I mean, why he didn't get a minute against England, I, I really don't know. Um, I thought it would have been an ideal time for him to come on. You've got you know, tired forwards, England were in at the breakdown all, all game. So, you know, there's there's been a lot of, there must be some heavy legs out there and that kind of that kind of pitch. So it would have been ideal for him to start sniping around the sides. Um but hopefully we'll see a bit more of him in Italy. Yes, we'll come on to that. We'll come on to the Italy in a moment. Um, Rory, the the Ember game then. Um, how it kind of sounds like the opposite of the Glasgow game in that it was more of a more of a, def- a defensive masterclass than a, a free scoring. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, ha- I haven't I haven't seen all of it, but um, I think pretty attritional. Um, the certainly the, the try tries were were well taken. Uh, another good one for. Um, 
for Duhan van der Merwe and another um, another one for Matt Scott. So kind of continues the theme of, of George Horn scoring tries. You know, the, the guys that have been scoring them all season are, are still showing that form. Um, I think it's, you know, the one thing that strikes me about van der Merwe's kind of play is, is his power in the tackle. Um, he seems quite hard to uh, quite hard to put down, which is is pretty good for a modern winger. Um, you know, he's he's uh, obviously about twice the size of Darcy Graham, but um, yeah, he he he's going to be he's going to be a good uh, a good option potentially come I think this summer when he qualifies. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a, a few uh, comments on the comments on the on the match report there. You know, pointing out that that was a game that probably. A couple of seasons ago, Edinburgh would have had every right to lose, and actually, the fact that they're now picking up away wins at the Scarlets in kind of fairly crappy conditions, um, kind of tough, toughing it out, if you like. Um, Nick Haining was playing at uh, playing it at, at um, blindside flanker, um, and by all accounts, give give a pretty good um, account of himself there. So, yeah, uh, good to see them getting getting that win. And Crosby, I think, it was another one who who some of the guys had, had said went pretty well. Yeah, I mean, particularly because like Scarlet's a third, I think, in yeah, third in Conference B with Embraer top, so it's not you know, Scarlet's obviously um, going through a number of changes given that they lost their head coach to to Wales at the start of the season, but that's it's still a very good result away to Scarlet's. It's still kind of like you said previously would be one of the fixtures that might not necessarily have gone Embraer's way in the past. Um, yeah, so Embraer thirty eight points. At top of Conference B, um, yeah. Glasgow fourth. Ian with within two points of of the cheaters. Yeah, making up ground on them. Um, have, they still, have we still got a game in hand? I can't remember. Um, no, uh, Leinster, Ulster, cheaters, and Glasgow have all paid eleven. Yeah, just sorry, the Pro Fourteen app keeps busting on my phone. That's fine. Because um, after yeah, after Glasgow, have... it's there's there's well. Uh, then it's Dragons are fifth on 18 points and they've got a game in hand, but that's, you know... Yeah, but that's Dragons, in it? Yeah. Then they're never going to catch you. Um, yeah, there's, there's a sort of clear chasm uh, in that conference. Um, so just all about catching the, uh, well, Cheetahs or, I mean, Leinster are probably, yeah, you, I don't know what odds you get on. Yeah, I don't know what odds you get on them winning the conference. It's probably like a thousand to one. <laughs> probably better back in Liverpool. Um, yeah, yes, yeah, so they're going to win it. Then it's all about, you know, trying to go up to second. Maybe uh, get get that home semi. Yeah, I mean, a second's probably quite a big ask, really, because what is it? Eight points adrift of Ulster. I mean, it's doable. Yeah, yeah, you know, bonus point win here and there. Um, still got to play them again, so well, that that's certainly cut into it. Yes, it's doable, but um, you know, keep got to keep dreaming. Are Are you feeling better about how Glasgow season's going now than than you were earlier on? Because I, I think when we we kind of talked early season, we were kind of again, like I said earlier, looking at this as, as quite a dark period for Glasgow, given the players they were going to lose. Are you feeling more hopeful? Uh, well, I think we assumed that certainly Seymour would be missing, and then we'd be down to the bare bones in terms of wingers. Um, it's you know, the running isn't the easiest, uh, and obviously we still lose a large contingent of international players when the Six Nations is on. So you know, a surprise can get sprung up anywhere. Uh, I think ne- next game's Dragons at home, um, so should be able to get five points out of that. And then, you know, after that, we'll just need to see, well, hope hope nobody gets injured as well, because obviously, you know, the 
the guys with international duty, the squad's already stretched a little bit. And if you lose anyone injury, then you're uh, you're in deep doo doo. Mm, yeah. Uh, speaking of deep doo doo, shall we preview <laughs> the Italy game? Yes. And a neat a neat segue into it. Um, I suppose the big question, Rory, is do. Uh, well, I suppose there's two questions, isn't there? Because it's hard to know which way this is going to go. Is so I'll ask you both. Do you think Townsend will change anything? And then the second part of that question is: Should Gregor Townsend change anything? Um, well, I think although it pains, I'm sure it pains certain um, certain types of Scotland fan to ignore the Calcutta Cup. I think we basically have to ignore the Calcutta Cup almost and kind of act as if as if this this game is coming off the back of the Ireland game. Mm. Um, and you and you give the, the you give the team a chance to you give the team a chance to try and get that get that W in the in the league table um, get those points. But saying that there were a few things. I mean, uh, you know, there were and there were still elements um, in the very limited amount of rugby that we saw in the Calcutta Cup that that maybe point to some areas where there might be some change. Um, I guess the hope is that it's a nice, lovely, sunny, almost spring day in Rome. And there's a possibility of some uh, some actual rugby, um, in which case there is possibly an argument to to bring George Horn in at uh, at nine, and there's maybe an argument to tinker in the in the centres. I think there's also uh, Darcy Graham potentially could come back in. Whether we'll see him start, I'm not sure. I think he'll maybe just get get the spot on the bench, um, which you know, bring in Horn. And and Graham off the bench late on could potentially be a could potentially be a good move on the dry track, but he's got to give them more than seven minutes. You know, it's got to be 20, 20 minutes or so to give them a chance. If you know, assuming that the the game is either not out of sight or is uh, is there for the taking. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think the the pack obviously there's going to be a change with Johnny Gray being injured. Not sure who he's going to pick. Is he going to put Skinner straight in? Or is he going to give Toulouse a shot? Um, I would probably, if Skinner's fit, stick him straight in. But uh, again, he might sort of carry carry the pathways where the, ne- the next cab off the rank steps up and then you fill in the holes on the bench. Yeah. I mean, Ian, it's 17 degrees in Rome is the forecast on on uh, on Saturday, um, which would suggest that it, it's not going to be a repeat of the Calcutta Cup, although I, I doubt very much we will see it's like again. Um, do, do you agree with Rory then that the, the probably you you start with the same fifteen as far as possible, maybe barring Jordan Gray and and give them another go, or well, do you think it's worth changing things up? At seventeen degrees, that's taps half weather. Um, <laughs> I, I obviously Johnny Gray is going to go. I don't know if Skinner. I mean, he's played a couple of times for Exeter, so you'd assume he's fully fit. He's played at um, eight as well recently for Exeter. Yeah, that's why I was just wondering if maybe he'll go as a. Tony will put him on the replacements bench and maybe start with Toulouse, um, Toulouse or Gilchrist, because uh, obviously the line out hasn't been going very well. They're they're good line out operators for both Giants. Um, Sean Maitland was pretty poor against England, so if if Graham is yeah. fit, I'm not sure if he is. He's in um, training, sir. Excellent. Well, possibly Graham starting there. Um, Good old Rory Hutchinson. We'll talk about him, shall we? Um, he, he, gets, yeah, he was he was lucky. Uh, borderline red card incident at the weekend. Yeah, 
Um, only yeah, only saw a bit of Northampton Bristol. Um, I missed the sort of opening minutes. Then I just went through the highlights. But yeah, he, he close lined the lock with about uh, as he was five metres from the line. Um, penalty try was awarded. But other than that, he, he assisted the first try for uh, Jim Malander. So you know if he's if he's in the Malander's good book, sorry Harry Malander. I was going to say that'd be a hell yeah. of an assist. Jim's Jim's turning it back. Dusted off his boots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, possibly right because the breakdown's been a bit of a shambles. Um, and because I'm a big fan, uh, maybe Matt Fagerson at eight because he brings a lot of work rate to the back row. Um, probably more so than you know he's he's not as big obviously as Bradbury. Um, but I mean, he can use a fair uh, fair wall upon him. Um, that sort of low centre of gravity, very Sam Simmonsy. Uh, and he, he puts in a hell of a lot of work, so maybe start with him because at least back row is is pretty strong. Uh, and well, it depends who starts at eight. Are they going to start with Negri or Sergio Parisi? Well, that's the question. It's, it's it's Sergio's circled this one in his in his calendar. It's testimonial game. Yeah, pretty much. So on his bucket list. Yep, definitely go. We're def- we're definitely going down to a Sergio Parisi drop goal. That's my worry with this game. Is it be one of the ones where he gets to take the conversion at the end? You know, are we going to that <laughs> yeah. level of entertainment? It's turned into a barbarian's game. Yeah, who knows? I think that I think yeah, I think I'm kind of with you. I think I would like to see him kind of throw caution to the wind a little bit with this match because it is going to be dry and the conditions are difficult. And I think I think almost because because Italy will will have targeted this game as the one that they're potentially looking to win it's at home with one team they always look to try and beat every single season so i think if play changing it up and and sort of making quite a few changes in starting george horn and darcy grave and even rory hutchinson i think i don't think italy would be expecting that however i suspect he'll go with let's start the 15 that started against Rome and changed the bench around a little bit and see how everyone goes. Because in fairness, looking back at it, and I know we were angry young men yesterday. Well, young, I say that. Um, we weren't angry. We were John's John's younger than Alan, myself. But we, we were angry and ranting about the Calcutta Cup last week. But I think we had other reasons to be angry and that kind of maybe tainted our view of it. But that game was fairly... You can't analyse what happened in the Calcutta Cup. And I think we said against... Italy, the defence was stronger. You could see what they were trying to do in places. There's still that element of the fact that they kept trying to truck it up through the forwards to try and score tries when, like I said last week, I don't know when the last time we we actually did that was. So I would like to see Hall still changes. However, I suspect it will just be more of the same. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, from what going on, uh, from what Ian was saying about Figerson, that you, you could potentially, you could pick a, a really hefty kind of back row of um, say Bradbury and Fagerson, and then one of the one of the sevens. If you've got Skinner on the bench, then maybe you can put another open side on the be- on the bench as well. Um, but I don't know if that approach would really. I don't know if that really plays into, you know, our our strengths. I think Richie and Watson on a dry a dry turf. Um, get the get the big lumps up front. Punching hole Sutherland's been, you know, he's been carrying really well so far. Um, if they could get just one of the hookers to, to find a bit of form it would be it would be nice and uh, and just run them about a bit yeah i think richie and i think richie and watson would start and i think i would probably start them as well but it's it's who like you said ian who comes in at eight do you does he come in with Ferguson? he started bradbury against england but he didn't have the best of games although it was a hard game to play in 
it, it's it's a hard one. I think eight's probably the one that I'm unsure of which way he's going to go with it. Yeah, especially you know, Haining had another decent... Well, Haining was good against Ireland and he was pretty decent against Scarlets uh, and that defensive effort that Edinburgh had to put in. Um, so, you know, he's obviously another name that's in that sort of hat for the number eight slot. Um, but, you know, he's obviously a sort of bigger bruiser type than Fagerson, so it just depends on how how Tony wants to roll his dice. I don't know. Fager- Fagerson looked like he'd, uh, he'd spent the uh, spent the off off weeks eating barbecue. I thought him. I thought him <laughs> and George Turner looked like they bulked up. Not in a, not in a bad way, but they certainly seemed a lot more solid than than I, I remember them being. That's uh, just the camera angles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the Premier Sport app makes them look like that. Premier yeah. Sport adds uh, Premier Sport app adds five stones. Yeah, when it works. Um, so Rory, um, you, predictions for Italy then? Um, I think. I mean, I think I, I desperately want to want to believe that we'll win it. I think it, you're right, you're totally right. They always target us. Um, I would say perhaps the one kind of overriding positive that we've had in recent years is actually, despite the fact that they've targeted us, we've still been able to to beat them pretty much. You know, most of the time. Um, and and maybe not not sort of sink to their level quite and get into a tussle, which traditionally you know we would sometimes you know we would lose. Um, so I, I would yeah I'd like to think that the guys will uh, will put on a bit bit of bit, better performance and we'll uh, hopefully see a win by I don't know ten, ten points I guess every every, uh, every five points over over ten is an extra kind of minute off the Tuesday clock. Yeah, I suppose that. When I wasn't going to do the Tuesday clock uh, this week, but you're, right, you're quite right. There was It was interesting, actually, the BBC had reported that the Daily Mail had reported that Gregor Townsend was for the off if they didn't beat Italy, but it turned out that was they were just reporting Rob Robertson's opinion as fact. All right, which, <laughs> as you do. If I was Rob, I'd be lauding that up over, over anybody in my household. Yeah, that's a, that's a definite um, definite feather in Rob's cap, but another hammer in the coffin of the BBC. <laughs> It was on their gossip page, to be fair, which is probably written by some work experienced lad. But yeah, um, Ian. Um, I mean, uh, Roy saying by ten. It's the ha- away to Italy. It has been squeaky bum time. I think quite a lot of the last few away games. There have been periods where you know we we needed Greg Laidlaw, I think, to rescue us last time, despite being comfortable early in the game. So what what's your prediction this time round? Uh, I'm going to be a negative Nancy and say we'll lose by six. Ooh. Um, yeah, I think Italy are going to catch us on the hop early doors and then like, we'll dominate possession and territory for the rest of the match, but the same old issue of not being able to score. Well, you know, we'll sort of bring it back a bit, then Italy will keep the scoreboard ticking over once we can see cheap penalty after cheap penalty to give them field position. Um, and yeah, then we'll, we'll fluff our lines. Hopefully it won't be Hog again. Uh, but nah, I uh, yeah, I've got a bad feeling about this one. Oh, it's interesting. I did promise um someone that we would try and hype up this match because they're going. Um, I can't remember off the top. Oh, it'll be a great game. It'll be great. It'll be a great day out. Yes, indeed. I hear the stadio. Is it stadio Flamini? It's in. Uh, I think so. Uh, yeah. Is it an Olympic hall these days? Oh, we go. Yeah. Well, here that's lovely. Yeah. So there you go. Yes, um, I think it was um, who was it that um, got in touch with me, and I can give them a, a shout out that said they were going to the game because um, we got a, a Wes Doogie Donnelly out of them as well. 
Um, no, I can't find out. We'll find that at some point. But yeah, someone's someone get, is going to the game and said, um, "Please hype it up for us." Um, so yes, um, I'm. I don't. I think I'm. I think you could go either. Way. It's one that can go either way. I can see both sides of this. I can, I can see. I can absolutely see us losing. Just and and I can absolutely if if we if we keep doing what we've been doing if Scotland keep doing what they've been doing and just trucking up through the forwards, it's going to go the way that you're predicting, Ian. I think if if they can find that free flowing rugby that they've hinted at being able to do in periods and they can do that sustainably, then I think you're probably right, Rory. I think it'd be te- they'll they'll beat them quite easily and comfortably. I think probably what they need to do is go out and just do a very well measured professional performance a bit like the Samoa game in the World Cup where they just went out and did what they needed to do and actually the start that was a 35 nil in the end wasn't it because we nilled them 34 yeah when they when they keep their head well enough to do that you know the, the results the, the results come and I think that's when you look back I remember watching that game and it never it it didn't feel like a 34 nil win watching it but you look back and you think they just did what they are supposed to do and they did it well yeah and it was actually it wasn't actually that exciting to watch. It was just a very functional performance, and I think that's what we need to do against Italy just to get back on track. If we can keep them to zero, that'd be a pretty good achievement. Obviously, yeah. Wales did it, but it's going to be a different different story in their own on their different, own patch. Well, this is their first home game, isn't it? As well, yeah, yeah they did look I mean, pretty sharp against France. Yeah, I saw saw some of the, um, saw the France game, and yeah, they were. They were uh, they were looking good. It was uh, the one. It was a little bit like the Glasgow Zebra game. There was a lot of sort of turnovers and, and you know ball changing hands, but it was entertaining to watch. That yeah. guy was actually I was actually in a, a pub in the in the middle of nowhere, and the guys at the bar were actively watching the live odds and sort of shouting out the live odds on Italy to win. And they were still convinced with about seven minutes to play that Italy were somehow going to come back and nick it, even though they were about twenty points behind. By that point. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I think the France thing is interesting because I think that's and this is kind of looking one game ahead, I guess. But France's fitness, I think, is going to be a major issue. That's I think if Scotland can stay within touching distance of France, then I, I think potentially we could win that at Murrayfield. But only if we can discover get the weather, get the weather, and rediscover how how to actually score some tries. Yeah, that's a, that's a worrying kind of aspect of our. Play if if you think back to the kind of I guess what we're referring to is the glory years, which is late Cotter, early Townsend, when you know there were still plenty of failings, especially defensively. But tries weren't were you know that was the point at which tries were no longer something that Scotland find hard to come by. And we've also you know we've actually gone back a bit to that, like yeah. whenever it was it Nathan Hines or Jim Hamilton scored a try, and there was like that's the first try Scotland have scored in the Six Nations for donkeys years or something. And it, you know, those we don't want to go back to to that year where we just couldn't couldn't score a try for for love or money. You say year, was it not years? Year, oh yeah, I mean it was yeah, yeah it, it was something horrible like that. Yeah. Um. So it's Alistair McFadden who's go off to the match. So um, Alistair, I hope we've done our best to try and build that up. Apologies for Ian, but I'm you sat, sure you sat I'm... on the fence as well. So I don't know what you're talking about. I know. Well, that's true. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a lovely it's gonna day. Be a lo- the weather yeah, looks be a nice. lovely sunny day. Yeah. The weather looks nice. Rome's a lovely city. You've got. You'll always yeah. have that. You'll always have that. Um, any more on the on the Italy game? 
shall we just move on and then hopefully we we will have happier things to talk about when when it's actually over and we can come back next week. Let's uh, yeah. keep fingers crossed. We've I'm going to cheer everybody up now because we've got some we've we're going to move on to this and and we've got some very special ones. Well, we looked high and we looked low, we seen doggy bopping in the speedos, but I just want to know, did you see the legend that's Doogie Donnelly? Yes, it's Where's Doogie Donnelly, the section of the podcast where we um, ask you to get in touch with any rugby or Scottish rugby associated people that you've seen out in the Belsh. This was sparked initially by... Um, I think we we made passing reference to Dougie Donnelly and someone then got in touch and asked, where's Dougie Donnelly now? And we had to go and find out. Um, Alistair McFadden, who I've just mentioned, and not, not only did he get in touch to ask me to build up uh, the Italy game just so he can enjoy, it on, on his, enjoy the podcast on the way out there, he has spotted Dougie Donnelly in the wild. Oh. A rare Dougie sighting. He said it was in the flesh whilst in Clarkston, of all places. He was walking into Tesco's. Um, and um, Alice said he was walking home from the gym, so he can't comment on what Dougie's um, shopping choices were. He said, apologies for my lack of commitment. And I, I think that's fair enough, because I, I think I don't want to encourage anyone to actually stalk Dougie Donnelly. Well, next time that happens, give me a phone immediately, because I'm not too far from Clarkson. I will go Dougie Donnelly stalking. Can you just go Can you <laughs> like just go and hang around, can you go around, hang around Clark, uh, Clarkson Tesco's just to see if you can see him? Can you yeah, start shopping you know, there? I can, um, yes, parking's going to be a nightmare. I'll just sit, I'll get the bus so we're fine. You'd be fine. He said, but and it sounds like Dougie's a regular because he was carrying a bag for life. Oh, well, I right. think there's, there's a coffee shop across the road. I can just, like, you know, stake out there. You've got time on your hands in between covering uh, six, uh, Super Six games. You can, yeah. Well, funnily enough, Super Six, uh, the, you forgot this in the news. The final's going to be played at Scotland. That of got announced today. It did, yes. March, March the 28th, uh, getting played in Glasgow. Of course, there will be no Glaswegian team. Uh, in the final because there isn't one um, they gl- not that I'm better about that at all um, but yeah that'll be March the 28th the third fourth place final uh, venue is to be decided I you think they could just do like a super Saturday thing you know? well I thought because it, it's super it, it, it will be super Saturday again I'm guessing um, for the next for the last 1872 game this year because it was two years ago until everyone kicked off at Glasgow. It was going to be every year until Glasgow Warrior fans quite rightly kicked off and said, you're not having at Murrayfield twice in you know, two years in a row for the last year. Neutral venue in my foot. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I thought they would make that part of Super Saturday, but obviously not. Yeah, well, that's what the email says. I mean, maybe they're still up to say that, but, um, yeah. Who there knows? Who knows? Um, we've had some other Wes Doogie Donleys, though. Um Alan Tanner got in touch to say he spotted WP now with his family at the Vu Cinema in Edinburgh. Um, I said, what was he eating? He said yeah, he was pushing a buggy, so the snacks were probably concealed underneath. I don't think there was any child in that buggy. I think that buggy would just be for WP now's popcorn. Yeah. He was wearing a papoose with like ribs in it. <laughs> I said, what was he off to say? And um, Alan said he guessed it was Dr. Doolittle. He said it could have been Joker or 1917, though. So I don't, WP now strikes me as the kind of person that would... I don't know, would would take his child to 1917 just to toughen them up? <laughs> this is what it's like in the front lines. <laughs> it's the front row in the trenches, very similar. <laughs> yeah. Um, who else did we have on Where's Dougie Donnelly? There was Chloe Stanton, who got in touch by, by email. I missed this because my emails weren't, weren't uh, properly forwarding. Now, Chloe has a wonderful one with some great detail. And uh, where is it? Here we go. Chloe says... 
Um, she was on the late evening flight from Geneva to Embra on Friday. So this is uh, 10th of February. So this is, I think, pre-Calcutta Cup when she sent this. She'd sat across the aisle from Brian Moore. He had two empty seats beside him, um, which was strange. It was an easy jet. Um, she said, perhaps Brian prefers his own company so much that he purchases an entire row so he doesn't have to sit next to anyone. I can imagine that would be a very Brian Moore thing to do. <laughs> he said, oh, perhaps EasyJet are just um, scamming people to try and make them buy last-minute flights, make them think it's full. Um, she said, Brian had light walking boots on, one of which wasn't tied up properly, giving him a slightly disheveled look. He had earphones in for the whole journey, which I note were wired and looked like the free ones you get with any phone these days. Obviously, he spent too much money on plane tickets, so can't splash out on some fancy wireless ones. She said, during the flight, he ordered himself a, a can of Coke and a lilt, and he must have a strong bladder as he didn't get up to go to the toilet even once. That's got to be a long flight as well. It's at least what, three, two, three hours. Geneva to Edinburgh. Yeah. It's good yeah. going. Um, she said, thankfully, this included when he caught me staring just before I got to go up myself. As I was walking up the aisle, I hoped he hadn't taken them as some sort. I hoped he hadn't taken that glance as some sort of signal to follow. <laughs> <laughs> terrifying thought. I, um, I need my shoe tied. Come with me. <laughs> um, unfortunately, she said she lost him during the commotion of disembarkation uh, and getting through border control. So I can't tell you if he uses an electronic passport or prefers the human touch. Well, he would be going... Well, no, I suppose he's coming back, so he would be able to go straight through, wouldn't he? Going the other way, he might have had difficulties with Brexit, but um, she said he's very small, so I wouldn't imagine he needs uh, much clothes. Um, so it was interesting. A lot of interesting detail there. Again, she said she lost him in the commotion. I really don't want to encourage people to start stalking people and following people. It's nice if you see somebody walking past, but please don't follow anybody uh, more than is necessary. Um, we've got a couple of... Um, other ones, I think, did somebody say they saw Grant Gilchrist with a tiny coffee on Twitter? Who was that? Yeah, somebody um, saw him drinking Simon. espresso. Simon, yeah, said he, he was the ju- enjoy, Simon enjoyed the juxtaposition of Grant Gilchrist in a tiny cafe with a tiny cup of coffee. Yeah, so that's... they said they spotted Chunk at Murrayfield. Yes, um, just queuing to get in, not queuing for any queuing. food or drink. Yeah, so disappointing. But, but thanks for even me. even former props have to queue to get into Murrayfield. There's no secret entrance exactly, for them. Yeah. Um, we've got we we have also got a couple of we've got two very special um, where's Dougie Donnelly's now, and I've got I've, I've I've dug out some special music for it. I haven't had time to do a jingle, but here we go. This is the this is the music I've got for it. So yeah, it's the Muppet Babies theme song because we've got two Where Doogie Donnelly's spots from the past. The first one um, was on email um, and it came... Uh, this got sent to both me and Lee at Blood and Mud, um, but they're not recording till uh, later in the week, so we, you get it here first. This is um, <laughs> Ross Galloway who said, uh, Whilst visiting my mum in Gala Shields and going through some old family photos... I came across the attached, and he sent he sent me the photo, and I've, I forwarded it on to Ian and Rory, so they've they've enjoyed it as well. Um, he says it's a 1984 P6 and P7 St Peter's Primary School chess team winning a local competition. Second from right on the winning team is current Scotland head coach Gregor Townsend. He said, whilst I accept this could be more easily shared on a visual medium rather than your podcast, I felt you both enjoy the sheer joy and victory on Mr Townsend's face that hasn't been seen of late. Um, and it is, it's, it's, it's Gregor Townsend looking very proud, looking like the, the proud owner of a, a little wee chess, chess winner's badge. 
tactically astute, obviously, from a young age. What yeah, exactly? Um, thinking too many moves ahead. That's maybe his problem. He's playing chess and we're all playing drafts. <laughs> maybe he's playing 3D chess with us all. We just well, don't he, should know be play, he should be playing speed chess if he wants to play hashtag fastest rugby in the world. Fastest <laughs> chess in the world. Maybe, maybe that was his forte. Maybe he was a, a, a speed chess champion. Who knows? If anyone knows what kind of chess Gregor Townsend um, enjoyed or specialised in, please let us know. Get in touch. Um, the other one, um, big spot, and this was Bruce Aitchison found this on um, online, and then I did some digging and, and found the actual proper link to it, and it's um, Darcy Graham's dad appeared on Gladiators back in the 90s, and there's a wonderful moment when they're interviewing Darcy Graham's dad as he comes on to Gladiators where it flashes across to his wife with tiny little baby Darcy, looking Aww. very cute. Um, so yeah, must be which just made me feel really old. That Darcy Graham was a baby when Gladiators was on, so I did me Dar- no favors. Darcy saw his dad get his face smashed in by Shadow with a giant cotton bud. Have you? I've not watched it yet. I was thinking we should do a podcast special on it at some point. <laughs> yeah, just like Mystery Theater three thousand. Just watching that episode. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, so that was our. Um, that's what we've had. A, like I said, a few wears Doogie Donnellys this week, and all uh, some crackers. We like the detail, but again, please, 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 don't actually go and and follow people, or if you do, follow them at a safe distance. Stay safe out there, people. Don't we don't want to be named in any kind of lawsuits. Um, we're going to move on now. We'll do. We'll do this now. Yes, it's um, it's hands in the ruck or any other business section of the podcast. We don't we we don't restrict this to just Scottish rugby. We sometimes open out a little bit as well. Um, I've got one. It's more of a point of order than than anything else. Is my mum got in touch? Um, she she got in touch via WhatsApp because um, she she has that she has that privilege. Um, she was upset um, that um, somebody on the podcast last week and it wasn't me said that. Um, I think it was Gregor Townsend and um, and Finn Russell were acting like girly teenagers. Mum said she doesn't mind a bit of ages ageism, but um, she said the uh, she said that was quite sexist. So she was upset yeah, by that. Yeah, there was a, a lot, lot of knicker chat. Was there? I should have picked them up on that. We're better. We're better than that. Better than that. I'm going to pretend that's why they're not Probably on this values. week. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag. Um, I'm going to pretend that's why they're not on this week. I've banished yeah. them for their sexism. Despite suspended, despite the fact that. That Al is is working his way as a position of as the Andy Good of the Scottish Rugby Podcast. That's just telling it like it is. <laughs> that's it. That's what that's, <laughs> what that's what we're doing, Mum. We're just telling it like it is. You can't was silence it, uh, us. It's just free speech. It was originally a three week ban for John and Al, but they brought nice biscuits. To the <laughs> uh, Mitigating circumstances took previous yeah. conduct into account. <laughs> um, but John banned for a year. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's have a look. We had a, we had a few in on Twitter as well. Um, yeah. We've got um, Gavin Alexander said the feeling that we'll beat Italy but lose to Wales and France is his hands in the ruck. He said achieving the bare minimum the SRU want for uh, Gregor Townsend to continue uh, wasting a very talented group of players. That's Gavin's words, not mine. I hasten to add, that's his hands in the ruck. Um, what else? Um, Michael Adamson. Yeah, was... What did you say? No, you go ahead. Rory, oh, I was going to go with uh, D- David Hutchinson, who had uh, come out again. It's uh, possibly 
uh, not great for, for radio. Um, his hands in the ruck was having to sit opposite uh, a giant poster wall poster of Finn Russell uh, for a four-hour non-rug-related meeting in a non-rug-related venue that just happened to have a giant poster of Finn Russell on the wall. <laughs> the world was trolling him. That's a pretty good one. Yep. Um, I can't. We we can't put this any uh, off any longer now because everybody else's hands in the ruck have got some tangential link to Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend. So uh, why Lizzie on? Um, I think it's why. Apologies if I pronounced that wrong. Um, on um, on Facebook, um, I suspect it's one of those names that people um change slightly to make them um harder to find for work purposes. But anyway, mm-hmm. on the Scottish Rugby Forum, he tagged me in this. He said, um, for the avoidance of doubt, Rob Bax has extended his contract until twenty twenty three. So regarding any Gregor Townsend speculation slash successions, it won't be him. He says, sorry, I'm a passionate Exeter Scotland fan, and I've seen this written a few times now. And he asked me if he could get hands in the ruck on this. Uh, you can, but only for the purposes of balance, because um, I've had a lot of, of Ember fans uh, being very upset about the prospect of losing Richard Cockrell in my mentions <laughs> yeah. as well. So I think anybody with a with a with a good co- coach at the moment is is praying that Gregor Townsend will stay in a in, stay in a job. Well, maybe I should open with my hands in the ruck then, which is that we're not going to sack the coach halfway through the Six Nations. Well, can we, can we, we, we I, I want to just touch up before we go into that. We've got Michael Adamson who said his hands in the ruck is the Finn Russell talk is annoying now. Can we concentrate on how this is a great opportunity for Adam Hastings to step up as an international 10? He's only going to become world class by playing international beat 10. I get Finn Russell is better, but it's a chance to prove how good Adam Hastings can be. And I don't feel, I don't really think we gave Adam Hastings enough credit last week on the podcast for how well he did against England because I thought he had a very good game. Yeah, no, that's conditions. fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. So so yes, um, there you go, Michael. We we've touched on that. We thought Adam Hastings had a good game. I thought he was alright against Ireland as well. For yeah, he scored all the points, hasn't he? Well, he, he has. has. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so yes, so Adam Hastings good. Um, let's move on to the Gregor Townsend Finn Russell chat now. Then Rory, on you go. Yeah, we're we're not going to fire Gregor Townsend in the middle of the tournament, surely. I mean, don't get me wrong. Scottish rugby has had a, a year or two of massive. You know, self-inflicted, self-inflicted gunshot wounds to the foot. Um, but even even that, I can't I can't see them doing it. Um, I mean, yeah, the the point that uh, one one of the ones you read out just now made were that we could well lose to France and Wales. Uh, we probably could well lose to France and Wales anyway. I mean, um, we've got no God-given right to beat either of them based on our our recent kind of performances. So. Yeah, we'd, we'd, I mean, we have done pretty well against France at home, but um, France have suddenly, they, they suddenly seem like they know a little bit more of what they want to do in life, and uh, which is good for good for the tournament, maybe not quite so good for us, because uh, it puts us back down the bottom battling battling with Italy until we can get our um, get ourselves together. But yeah, I, I can't see, um, I can't see the SRU who have put a lot of kind of capital, if you like, into into Townsend. Um and you know, he was he was their man and they've they've put him in there. And yes, the results haven't been great. Um there is possibly a little bit of I mean, it's tricky. You can say, you know, you can look at it one hand and say, yes, the, you know, he's lost. And you can look at it on the other hand and say, well, those are the World Cup finalists and um you know, and you know, probably one of the I would say Ireland would have been one of the pre-tournament favourites, and you know we've got a losing both bonus point for both those games. Now, no, we shouldn't be content with just a losing bonus point, 
but there have been plenty of times in the not too distant uh, history where we've been you know well out of sight to both those teams nowhere near losing bonus point um that may end up being the difference assuming we can get a get a win at the weekend that may, may well end up being the difference between us and the bottom of the table you never know um so i think there a lot of the chat obviously you guys talked about the the Finn Russell thing um a lot last week and we don't really want to to go into that too much again but there's you know there's a lot of chat about Townsend losing not not from you guys necessarily but just stuff online about Townsend losing the dressing room or being too controlling and there certainly does seem to have been an element of that at the at the World Cup that was you know that was kind of brought brought forth in the in the kind of review that they did afterwards okay we didn't get to see the review so we're kind of taking the taking the, the um taking the SRU's word for it or the BBC's word for it whatever you um whatever you'd like and there obviously has been this uh there has been this review and they've they've made a concerted attempt to kind of to kind of alter the culture and try and make something that the players feel more comfortable in um and I think that we've only really seen two games of that. Well, I suppose know, it, well, people... well, I wouldn't even say two games because if you you probably like you said, yeah, you, you can't, can't really count the Calcutta Cup. Game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people have people have sort of you, you do kind of need to. It, it's two games in a new World Cup cycle, and okay, it's it's a it's a large proportion of the same players, and it's you know the same head coach who people have got their got their issues with, but at the same time. Um, you know, we've got a new captain. We've got a new new defensive system, which actually seems to be working okay so far. Um, you know, neither team has has cut us open massively in in the middle bits of the park. Ireland and England both scores their their tries from from quite close, you know, quite close range. Um, and these days, you know, if you batter away long enough, most of the time you're going to get you're going to get a score or a penalty or something. So I don't think there's any shame in the 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 try that uh, that they give away against Ireland, um, and I just think, uh, yeah, I think uh, we're we're perhaps uh, a lot of the stuff in the in the media and a lot of people's opinions has been forged based on what came before the start of this tournament, um, and I think you can only really judge it on what's gone before. And yes, that's two losses, but that's you know two close losses, one of which was a complete freak game. There's you know there's no uh, there's no way you can play a game of rugby in that. I mean, they should have, if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, 67,000 people had tickets for it and were already in the city. Um, and the fact that they didn't, you know, the SRU didn't, didn't want to cancel a game because of a hurricane. Um, the, a typhoon, sorry. Um, otherwise, you, you know, the sensible thing probably would have been to cancel that game. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that all that stuff would have probably been dragged up again. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Stuck between a... Well, I was going to say stuck between a rock and a hard place, but he's stuck between a typhoon and a hurricane, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of people, after last week's podcast, quite a lot of the feedback we had was... And and, and there was a few people seemed to think somehow that, that Al, John and I hate Gregor Townsend, and that that's, couldn't be further from the truth. I think... The concern we, I think, what we were looking for were were, were signs of change, and the, because we had to discuss the Finn Russell interview last week because it, it was such a major talking point, and then there being the Gregor Townsend interview afterwards, we were just kind of trying to unpick the both to see what 
change there had been in the context of the two games played so far. And like you said, it's hard to analyse. I think if it gets to the end of the Six Nations in Scotland have, say, losing bonus points against everybody and a win against Italy... I think actually, in uh, putting it in the context, I don't necess- I don't think that would be the end of Gregor Townsend's Scotland career. And I think, like you said, if you can look at the defence and look at um, you know things that, that they can build on, I mean, you can, you can build off the back of a good defence. I don't think you can build off the back of a good attack. No, I mean, which which we've you know we've seen because if the teams figure out how to shut down the attack, we weren't able to stop the other teams scoring. Um, you know, so you'd you'd get games like the games against games against Wales, where our attack wouldn't be able to do anything, and they'd be able to cut you open, and you ended up looking pretty foolish. Um, so you know, it was right to 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 put the focus on the defence and try and figure out why that hadn't been working for the last few seasons, and to try and put some put some uh, some maybe something fresh in in place. It's not that it hadn't worked, but it hadn't worked consistently enough, and you kind of need that consistency of defence. I mean, you look at Wales, and you look at Ireland. And the consistency of defence is what's keeping them, um, keeping them, them up there. Um, I would argue that you know within the Scotland squad are are players who are not as a whole, but you know there are there are more talented players that that we've got um, than than they've had at some point so in in recent years. But they're still they're still beating us because they're playing they're playing more astute rugby, and um, you know they're greater than some of their parts. Yeah. Um, Ian, you think that's fair? Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, He's probably falling asleep. <laughs> no, no, I, I've just done a Sudoku. I, I've never actually done a Sudoku in my entire life. <laughs> um, the other, um, my hands and neck is kind of slightly linked to that, um, which is Sir so Clive Woodward's um, column in the Daily Mail today, which I, I haven't bought the Daily Mail. It was just, I think Rob Robertson had, had retweeted it, which um, w- the headline was just who does... Finn Russell think he is. Um, and it was mainly the opening paragraph that said, I try not to be overly partisan in my columns because I love good rugby and admire top quality play from all teams. Um, but then this is the same uh, Clive Woodward, who I think I had this in the hands in the rook at some point as well, who said that the uh, Barbarians annual rugby match should be scrapped because it's a circus <laughs> after they got beat 63-45 when uh, Finn Russell <laughs> scored loads of tries against them, and so did. and Greg Laidlaw even scored against them that day. Um, so no, I, I don't. I think the other thing in that article he was talking about, he kind of was saying, um, what was about he was talking about Richard Cockrell um, after the nineteen ninety nine World Cup wrote a book which um, he, he says which I consider to be largely nonsense. In particular, the, the accusation that I was a bully. I asked him for a public apology. He declined, so I banished him from the squad. It's like, how how can I prove I'm not a bully? I know I'll insist that he makes a public a public I'll hum, publicly humiliate him. <laughs> I say like the headlines are like who does Finn Ross think he is, and then he spends about the majority of the article is about him. Yes, about himself. Yeah, talking who about who does Clive Woodward think he is? It's yes. not very nuanced, does it? He just like. Tears into Finn Russell for a bit. In my day, when I was in charge of somebody with an attitude, I bullied them. They accused me of I mean, being he, a bully, so yeah. I bullied him right out of the squad. Yes. <laughs> he, he has, you know, he has, I suppose, got got a point in that you can't you can't let um, you can't let one player dictate 
dictate terms to the whole the whole team or the coach. We're just in a particularly sort of strange situation where that one player is, by some way at the moment, at least our best player. Yes. Um, yes. Cockerell, Cockerell was in, you know, he was in the, that 2003 uh, World Cup squad. They, that was a pretty good bunch of players that they had in that group. Um, so they, they potentially had the ability to replace him with uh, like for like or less of a drop off in not that you know Hastings is not a drop off in quality, but um, you you get my point. Yeah, it's the it's it's the, the because we've no depth below Hastings. As much yeah. as everyone wants Dunkey Weir to be the the Messiah, he's not. <laughs> well, um, he was seen in a he was seen in a training photo today. Was he? Yeah. Well, so that means he's that means he's starting. Yeah, well, there there you go. You heard it here first. Um, I think the other thing is he said. Uh, Clive Rudwood said. Um, if. Uh, he said he was sickened by Finn Russell's unjustified and often incoherent character assassination of Gregor Townsend last week, which I thought was a little bit strong. And he said that Mark Dodson should step in and say that Russell won't play for Scotland again, regardless of who is coach. Which, that would go down well. That would go down <laughs> really well. Although it does seem a very Mark Dodson thing to do. Yeah. Um, it would be entirely... He should hold a press conference. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I think that'd be a good idea. Um, that's so. That's it for for my. Um, I'm I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Ian, what have you got for your hands in the rook? Uh, well, again, it's a, it's in a subgenre of uh, Finn Russell Gate. It's the sort of pirate metal of uh, Finn Russell Gate. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's people saying that the media should stop talking about Finn Russell. Um, here's the thing: people want to hear about it. People are talking about it all the time. So obviously, you know if. If people have got a platform, if the media have got a platform to disseminate information as they're getting it, then of course we're going to do it. It's it's a massive story. We're talking about one of the most talented players of our generation getting chucked out, and this whole sort of you know just forget about Finn Russell and get behind the team. Of course we're behind the team. We're always behind the team, but that team would be better if Finn Russell's in it. Um, and as well as that, it's not like you know it's not like Tom English and Mark Palmer are like holding a gun to Townsend and Russell's head saying. Tell us what's happening. They they are instigating it. They you know it's them that are wanting to spread the information, and the media are just reporting it. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm done now. You can are you done now? No, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. Well. I think that's I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, all all that journalists do is ask the questions, and they're entitled to ask them. And you know, they don't. Things like Gregor Townsend and Finn Russell, like you said, they don't have to answer them if they don't want to. But both clearly felt the need to speak out. I mean, even you look at the, I mean, the Gregor Townsend thing, particularly with the fact that it wasn't just that he spoke to Tom English. They also put out his own little YouTube video and they made a massive public statement on the SIU website. Yeah, I think so. Well, the only sort of, John Barclay, um, he did an article on Rugby Pass today about the whole um, debacle. And it says it's quite balanced and, you know, it's a good read. Um, I think a, a lot of them are. I think the Woodward one is most sort of, salacious or myopic one that I've I've seen so far. Um but you know, people want to hear both sides of the story. So, I, you know, the yeah. journalists are just doing a job. I think the interesting thing with the John Barclay one is I think it particularly those people who think this is all down to Finn Russell's ego should would would be advised to read that article because John Barclay kind of talks about the fact that he wouldn't have done it if he didn't have a good reason to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think also... he's, he's not nece- he's not necessarily coming out as being kind of team Finn or team Tooney or anything, but he just kind of says this. It, it, it's not in keeping with his character for him to have done this for his own selfish purposes. Yeah, as well, like just even before um, 
before Finn Russell had spoken to Mark Palmer, um, I read an old interview where it was his final interview as a, a Glasgow Warriors player before he played Scarlets, and he just comes across as extremely humble in that. So you know, everyone who says he's got an ego, they're just saying that because he's got a bit of swagger on the pitch. Um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, if you actually read the articles, um, you know, if you if you read old interviews with him, that this is a very humble. Uh, not egotistical guy at all, um, and you know, like we said, you know, he obviously felt he's in a toxic environment, um, so he's he's moved himself away from it just now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Yo, you go, yeah. Rory. I mean, I think um, the I guess the, the, this kind of the problem problem from Finn's point of view is that he's he's judging by his his interviews and stuff in the press, he's been feeling this for a while, so it's possibly even the fact that now. Things have changed. Perhaps there's there are some changes in the new setup. That seem that seemed to be the kind of crux of of what Townsend was saying coming out um, in re- reply. He's saying, you know, we've changed things, and Finn hasn't sort of taken that taken that on board. He's kind of almost judging it based on what went before, and I think that's perhaps unfortunate. Um, you know, because he he wasn't you know he was in breach of the standards, whatever whether he agreed with them or not. Um, so from that point of view, he he you know he had to. Yeah, to drop him, and then obviously all the other stuffs come out, which makes it very hard for them to to reconcile. But um, from Townsend's point of view, you know, he's kind of done what he what he needs to do to control the environment, or to not control, but uh, yeah, to to sort of to keep keep the peace, if you like. Yeah, that there was a really. I mean, it's Mark Palmer's bit in the uh, the the Sunday Times had, had written a, a kind of a column on 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 this. Um, and he he used the quote at the start, which is Stephen Covey, the American author educator, once wrote that most people do not listen with the intent to understand; they listen with the intent to reply. And I, I think there's probably a little bit of that on both sides. Yeah, I think, and it, it it's tricky because it's going to get it's probably going to get um, they're going to get further apart the long the longer it goes on. And actually, part of me wants to say, look, go back and you know, Finn, just say sorry, go back and see, and if 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 he goes into the camp environment, then you know the new Tuny 2.0, if you like, and he and he really doesn't like it, then you know you can't blame him for walking away. If he says no, this is this is not for me, um, you know people are going to be disappointed. But I think people understand that you can't, you can't force yourself. Um, I mean, yes, okay, people will say you know everyone would give their give their back teeth to to play for Scotland, and he's got the chance. But at the same time. Um, why you know why do why do a job that that makes you makes you unhappy? He's clearly happy with the ways things are going at, at Racing. I'm not saying that he should. He 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 can't be so important that everything has to be like that for him. But if he's got that there and he's happy there, then let him stay there and be happy. Um, if the Scotland environment is it's not for him, but I just I really think there must be a way that that, that there can be some sort of compromise to get him on board because obviously Scotland are going to be a better team with him in it. Yeah, the other, the interesting thing is busy little B pointed out in the comments on the podcast post that, that at the end of his interview, um, post match man of the match interview um, after the exit game, um, I think Stuart Hogg had said, "I'm going to enjoy a few beers with the boys tonight." Yeah, and Cockers was talking about drinking beer on the bus bus back up from uh, from from Italy as well. Yeah, so clearly no three beer limit there. Yeah, different standards at Exeter though. Well, that's true, but well. Mm. Anyway, maybe. Um, Bill, Bill Lothian on Twitter has, has also pointed out that if if Finn Russell does play for Scotland again, he'll be on his fiftieth cap, so he'll get the honour of leading the team out, which might be slightly <laughs> awkward. Yeah, 
that'd be fantastic. <laughs> yes. Um, have we got any more for any more before we wrap up this week's podcast? It's been nice. Right, we, we've it. kept it just 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 over an hour. How exciting is that? Yeah, good work. Um, so yeah, um, we'll be back next week with a review of the Italy game. Um, thank you, everyone. We had, we've had a couple of new reviews on um, Apple Podcasts. So if you've got the Apple Podcast app and you listen on that, then then do leave us a, a review. Um, we've got one from um, who's this SFD forty five, who says it's my favourite rugby podcast. He said, uh, but G sort the production out. We we do our best is all I can say on that. We we try. Um Lanark Lanark Lad seventy eight says a consistently excellent podcast, always really interesting and funny. Keep up the excellent work. So that's two nice reviews there. We've not had a couple of nights. It's nice to get nice to get some positive feedback. Um rather than that we're just talking a load of rubbish. Um So that's it from us from this week. We'll be back next week with uh, probably a much longer pod with lots to talk about. Hopefully all good. Hopefully more a Rory prediction than an Ian prediction, but um, for the moment... Well, I've, just, I've had, a, had a wee look. The referee's Ben O'Keefe. It's not Frenchman. Oh, well. So there's hope. Who's the TMO? Although, not yeah. sure, but the Ben O'Keefe's last game that we were involved in was uh, against Japan in Japan. Oh, was it that but, one? But hey, he's not... He, yeah. But hey, he's not... Uh, he's not... He's not French, so... Well, that's true. There's that. I mean, know that Ben Skeen's retired now, so he's definitely not TMO. We might get Marius... Oh Jesus! I'll match you. Oh come on, guys! We need to keep it positive. Keep it positive. Uh, yes, it's going to be a really fun free throwing match. Fifty-four nil to Scotland. I've already said we're going to get beat, so you know I'm already down. You know, bringing my down <laughs> out of the podcast. It's as entertaining as the Warriors versus Ebay. I'll, yes, I'll be happy. With that. I'll be happy with that yes. as long as we, we we've got the fifty-four. Um, yeah. Anyway, for the moment, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Rory and Ian. Goodbye. Ciao. Tax day is coming. Oh no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.